morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 today. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. Or there should be a Bible in front of you too if you want to follow along. We're going to be talking in the next couple, three, four, maybe five, I can't remember how I had it laid out right now, but it's at least four weeks of talking about the kingdom of God and what that means for us and how we interact with it. If you read through, spend any time reading through the New Testament, it's hard to miss the fact that it's a central thing that Jesus talks about. So we're going to spend some time reflecting on that the next few weeks. If you would, please join me in prayer before we begin. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for providing for us in the ways you have. And thank you for the homes that we have, the places we have to live, the community community that we have. We thank you for the, the paychecks that you've given us. We thank you for the food that we eat. Father, we, at, we confess before you that we're always in need of knowing, needing to learn more about who you are, of needing to be transformed into the kind of people you want us to be. Father, we ask that today, through reflecting on your word, that what we do here in this moment and following would just be one aspect of how you work in our lives to make us more like you. That the words that we hear, we would internalize, we think about, ponder on, chew on, and apply it to the life that we live and the situations that we find ourselves in. Thank you for who you are and that your spirit is present with us even today. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Think through your life, the life that you've lived up till now and the life that you anticipate living from here on out. Would you consider your life and the work that you do in this world to matter? Do you consider it to have lasting meaning? I mean, really, think about the stuff that you do day in and day out. Can you see how it has lasting meaning? But what do we mean by the fact that it doesn't have meaning and doesn't matter? I think often when we say something like that, we're conveying something like, well, my life means something in the future. Will I have a legacy that's meaningful? Will my life be provided for in the future? Will my descendants be provided for in the future? Will anything I do in this world help in bringing about peace? And by peace meaning security, goodness, enjoyment, provision, things that don't lead toward death. In short, what is the goal of our lives? What end or what horizon is it that we aim to reach with the life that we live? To grasp the importance of having a destination in mind, think about your life for a moment, your daily routine, the things that you do. What is the aim of your daily life and work? I was thinking about this for myself, and I was thinking about the routine that I go through in the morning, and um, it's just become very regimented now. I, the alarm clock goes off, it goes off again, goes off again. Get up right before the last one goes off, so I hopefully don't wake up Julia, which I don't know why I worry about that, because she seems to not wake up for anything in the morning anyway. But, <laughs> but things that you wouldn't think would wake her up. But that's the first things I do. I get dressed, get my stuff, get out the door, 
But I was thinking about, like, when I get in the car, one of the first things I do, and I don't even, like, think about it really, but, like, in my mind, I think about where I'm heading, I'm going to work, and I think about, and this is just maybe me because I'm more visual, but I think about how I'm going to get there. Like, I pre-route my trip. I, I know where I'm going, but I, like, think about... Now back out, gonna go down this road, take a left, go down here. Like I'm anticipating all the lights that may be there, which way I can get there the shortest, fastest way. Like I pre-route that in my mind. But I even do that before I eat breakfast. And that's very important to me. I want to eat in the morning. Usually um, my stomach is telling me I need to eat. But pre-routing that trip has taken priority of the things that I do on my way to work. It comes before even other essential things of life. With your overall life, what destination do you find yourself seeking? How do you prioritize that aim with the rest of your daily activities? What destination, what destination we have and how we prioritize it with the rest of the activities of our life it's crucial to knowing if we are living the kind of lives that God desires us to live on earth right now. So if you can, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Some translations say above all else. And toward the end of that, he says, and all of these things will be added to you. Above all of what are we talking about? And what are these other things that he's talking about? Well, if we would look at the surrounding verses that come before this verse, we find that Jesus has just spent time talking about people that spend their time pursuing the food and drink that they consume, the clothes and the shelter that they have, and also the things that they sow and reap, the things they spend time getting profit and harvest, and things that, in the end, we talk about having meaning because they provide these basic necessities for our life. But Jesus basically calls them treasures on earth, meaning things that on earth we consider to be meaningful. Jesus, though, teaches that there is something far more crucial for the thriving of human life than just having the biological and cultural slash social needs of life. Social meaning like the things that are American, things that America thinks it needs to have in order to live. So let me reiterate just a moment. Jesus teaches that there is a more fundamental need for the survival and flourishing of human life that goes far beyond the biological and social needs that we have. Biological and some, but not all, social needs are good things. We do need things like food and water and shelter and clothing and even social things like community. For they are aspects of God's creation that he made good from their inception. What then is the greater need that human life needs in order to survive and flourish that Jesus is talking about here. What is it that you and I, we, seek with our life? What is that thing that's foremost in your mind with, with every activity that you do throughout the day? 
I was thinking about this in, in a different aspect. Uh, often when I'm trying to find something and I don't know where it is, again, this may be just because I'm a very visual person, but it's like I remember, I can picture in my mind the place I left it, the very place where it should be. I can picture the surroundings. I can, like, last night we were trying to find this thing for um, Julia's parents. Her dog was staying with us the last couple of days, and there's this thing that's supposed to go in her eye, I think, for some medication. And her dad came to get the dog, and we we're supposed to find this medication that cost like $30, $40, and we didn't know where it was. So we're, like, turning over the apartment to find this little bag with this little tube in it. And we just could not find it. We looked for like 15, 20 minutes, and Julia was determined to find it. And I know when I've had that also happen to other times when I'm trying to find something, I can like picture, and she was even like, I know I sat right here. It was on this cabinet. I mean, there's this like image of where it should be. We picture this in our mind, but we have this like destination, this, this goal that we're trying to reach, and we spend our time seeking to find that one thing. The object that we hold foremost in our minds is the goal that we seek. And that's usually what happens in a situation like that. We have this goal, and that's what drives us to try to find it. Because we know we put it there, we just got to keep looking, and hopefully we'll find it. I think that's the same idea that Jesus is getting at in this passage. He's just wanting us to think about what is it that we seek after. Do we have a destination in mind? Or do we just go through the motions? Or if we do have a destination in mind, it's the destination that God desires us to have. What image for your overall life and work do you hold in front of you? What image of that do you hold in your mind? Is it biological and social needs only? Or is there something greater that takes priority before those needs? Jesus tells us that it's his kingdom that should come first and foremost in our lives. If we read again through the surrounding verses of this text, the kingdom that's being talked about there, it doesn't say explicitly in the very literal reading that it's God's kingdom, but it does say his kingdom. And by his kingdom, the context there says that it's God's kingdom. Jesus seems to indicate that God designed creation to function best when God's kingdom is sought before all other needs. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is the most important need that human creation has. So how should we go about understanding the significance of this kingdom? Let's just be honest. Kingdom isn't a term that we use in our everyday vocabulary. We just don't live in a kingdom. If we were still British citizens, we maybe would talk about something like that. Even there, it's a little bit less out of the normal, probably everyday language of how things work. <laughs> To give a little bit of perspective on this, the idea, the word kingdom that's used here in a very raw interpretation indicates an area ruled by a king or the dome or domain over which a king reigns, meaning king, dome, king, kingdom, domain, the area over which a king reigns. In other words, the kingdom of God is the area over which God reigns. Kingdom and reign, again, are just terms that are foreign to us. What maybe is a more relatable way of understanding the kingdom? A maybe more relatable understanding of this term for us may be the area over which God presides. Presides meaning occupies a position of authority, power, or influence of will. Think the president of the United States. President meaning presides over the United States. President, you know, God's 
presidential ruling or being an authority is probably a better way of us understanding that term. God presides over a certain area where, in which he has authority, in which his will is exerted and the people of that area actually follow it. That's the idea that Jesus seems to be getting at here. It's an area that God presides over. But what area does a God preside over? We won't talk about that as much today, but in the following weeks, hopefully I'll be able to give you a little bit better perspective and help us think through the area over which God presides. This area is located where God presides over now, but also not quite yet. This is very... Um, end time kind of view of where God reigns. God is starting to reign over things now, and he does reign because he is the creator over everything, but at the same time, not everything and not everyone has submitted to his authority. So it's a now but not yet thing, and I'll try to flesh that out a little bit more in the weeks to come. But we will see that this area involves all aspects of God's creation, human and non-human. The area over which God reigns is all of God's creation. As well, we will see that the area is further made clear by the individual people and community of people who give up their will to surrender to God's authority. Ultimately, we will see that the area over which God presides over looks like the life of Christ. Jesus is the full expression of creation in human life that is freely surrendered to God, the Father's authority and will. In Jesus Christ do we see what it looks like for a life to be surrendered to God's authority, for God to preside over that aspect of creation? Simply put, the kingdom of God looks like the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches here that the greatest need that humanity should seek after, the goal to which our lives should aim, is the kingdom of God, the area over which God presides and has a position of authority influenced by his will. Is the kingdom of God what you, what I, what we seek after? Is God's authority and will the goal of everything that we do? Is life as Jesus lived on earth and explains in his teachings the goal of our lives? Not only are we to seek the kingdom, but Jesus says that we're to seek it first and foremost. Jesus teaches that human survival and flourishing happens when our priorities are in proper order. I've said this as an illustration before, and I think it's worth repeating. Um, there's a guy named Shane Hips who used the illustration of zeros and ones to talk about the priority things. If you put a bunch of zeros before a one, the end result is still that it, that value is zero. If you take a one and add a bunch of zeros after it, the value just keeps increasing. It's a matter of priority of which number comes before the other. It's the same thing, I think, with this concept that Jesus is talking about. If the kingdom comes before everything else in our life, before every other need in our life, the value and the meaning of our life increases. But if we put all the other needs in front of the kingdom and seek after all those things before we seek after God and his way of life, the value doesn't ever add up. It just ends up being nothing, zero. There is no value. It ends up not having anything. It's apart from God. The kingdom of God is the way of life that God intends all of his creation to enter into. If you read through the New Testament, Jesus is always talking about those who will and those who won't enter the kingdom of God. 
So it seems that it's an important thing to God that there's this, this way of life that he desires us to reach, to enter into. It seems to be a priority to Jesus as you read through all the teachings that he gives. Our employment or the recreational activities that we do, every aspect of our lives will be on the way to flourishing, meaning we're not going to be there quite yet, but we're going to be on the way if we surrender to God and start following after Christ. When we make all the other needs of our life secondary and subject to God's will that is lived out in the kingdom of God. I was kind of in a very personal way reflecting on this, my kind of studying over this this last week, um, especially when um, I was helping Justin and Julia Schwartz move on Friday, Justin who used to be the preacher here. And um, I work in the freight industry for my other job, and so we're always packing trucks and unloading trucks and things like that. So I've kind of got very used to doing that kind of line of work. And often I just, the thought in my mind is, I'm just a human robot. This seems like very meaningless work. It provides a paycheck, but beyond that, I'm not sure what else it's worth, you know, that kind of a thing. But as I went to go help them pack their U-Haul truck, it just automatically comes to me of thinking about how I can put this in the truck and this in the truck and this can be here and the weight can go here and here. I would not think about any of that stuff if it wasn't for the other job that I do. And what became a meaningless task became something that benefited a brother and sister in Christ to be used to help benefit the kingdom of God. Not that I do the best job of always appropriating things in life. This isn't a pat on the back to me, but it's at least a testament to God taking something that could be meaningless and making it meaningful. He took an industry which can be used for nothing but selfish gain and use it to train me to aid someone in the body of Christ. And not only just serving them, but it's also helped build my character, but only if I interpret it and prioritize it as second to the kingdom of God. It can create Christ-like character, and it can uh, help me learn to be self-sacrificial and serving and all these different things, but only if I view it through the lens of the kingdom. And the needs that it provides come after the fact that I'm doing it for God first and foremost. So I just ask you, do you think about that with the things that you do? I need to think about that more than the things that I do. Is the need for the kingdom of God taking priority over having our biological and social needs met? The paychecks, the food, the housing, the clothing, the health care, the insurance, the retirement fund, etc., etc., etc. Or do we live with it the other way around? Where can we find, where we can find sure footing and truth though is that Jesus teaches us that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then he will rightly give all of these other needs to our life but it's not just this if we do it we get all these cool things out of it it's that if we surrender to God he will rightly give them to us in the way that is good for us in his wisdom and in his goodness will give us the things that we need not just because we think we need it but because we trust him to give us the good things that we need for our own survival, but because he's the creator and we're the creation. God is a good God and will give us the things that we need to flourish as his human creation. And ultimately, the provision that we, end, that we get from God, again, I think will look like what the provision looked like for Christ. 
did Christ get all the things that he needed in order to live a physical human life and be able to survive? In one sense, yes. In another sense, he also experienced death. So can we say that God provided everything? I think, yes, we can. Because ultimately what God means by provision is a new life, a resurrected bodily life. If you read through Luke chapters 14 and 15, um, Jesus tells a story about having a banquet and inviting certain people there. And then those who want to have the prominent positions at the table, who think they're most important. And he contrasts that with saying, but what's important about the kingdom is those who would give up that seat for somebody else and would sit at the not-so-important part of the table, who would sit in the lowly places. But Jesus contrasts that by saying that those who try to gain you know, respect by people, they'll gain respect from those, of high, you know, those in high society and those who are important. But those who take the lowly spot, he says, they also will receive things, but they'll receive it at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus himself points to that the provision that God ultimately offers us isn't only to be found in this side of life. Yes, we do begin to participate in that, but ultimately the hope and the desire and the destination that we're headed to is the kingdom of God brought in its fullness. We also are renewed and changed to reflect the resurrected life that Jesus Christ himself experienced. To be about the kingdom is to follow Christ. Christ in, is the visual, the bodily expression of what it means like to be under the area of which God presides, of which God's authority and influence and will is made known and lived out rightly. So I conclude with just asking, what are you seeking? And are you seeking the kingdom of God? Would you please pray with me? Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son to live among us, to live the human life as we experience it, to experience the frustrations and the pain and the other things that we experience. But we also thank you that Christ lived differently and showed us a different way to live, that he showed us a way that you, as the Father, desire us to live. And the way that you desire creation to work best and function the most flourishing and life-giving way. Father, we confess that we don't always live up to the way that Christ lived. We ask that you renew us to help us to renew the way that we think about the world. And that you give us the desire and will and passion and courage to live life as you would have us. To live and follow after Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being in control of the world. Thank you for having a destination that you're bringing all things to. And Father, I ask that you would uh, just open the hearts of those who haven't yet surrendered themselves to you and acknowledged who you are, that they also would be able to experience and come to know the mercy and compassion love and embrace that you want to have and offer to you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that we've been able to come to know who you are, that you've blessed us with people in our lives to introduce us to you, and that you have been faithful to pursue us even when we haven't been faithful to pursue you. We ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus.